Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. You're listening to The Private Collector. Hang on to your hats. Things are about to get weird. Today's episode of The Private Collector is the final episode for Season 1. Season 2 has already started, and the first episode is already available to Patreon supporters and website members at the Private Collector level of support. To get early access to The Private Collector ad-free and be a part of making the show happen, support the show at patreon.com forward slash wicked library or at thewickedlibrary.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Private Collector, Season 1, Episode 11, Ancient Salts, Part 1, by Aaron Vleck. The streets were completely deserted, with not a soul in sight. Now, this was Hudson, boasting about the same population as a good-sized Louisiana family, and they did roll up the sidewalks here around sunset. But this was the middle of the week, and just shy of high noon. I'd gotten back into town for my hike through the Ega Mountains, and was itching bad to get to the librarian. I hadn't even dumped my bags off at the hotel before heading over to see him. But putting my hand on the doorknob and giving it the old heave-ho, it didn't even budge. I stepped back and stared at the joint. No clothes sign. Nothing wrong from the looks of it. And this sure wasn't any holiday. Where the hell was everybody? I fished the key Brenda had given me out of my pocket and shoved it in, but no go. What the hell gives? I shielded my eyes and peered through the window to see if anybody was in there. The place was dark and locked up tight as a drum. Up and down the street, there wasn't anybody around. I just stood there for a minute or two, then I started walking, light-footed and wary, glancing over my shoulder every little bit and keeping an eye peeled 
Something was jacked up here all right. I passed a few stores and a couple of restaurants that were also shuttered and dark, but a few more were open, doors wide, and all the lights on, but nobody home. I went from door to door, yelling for anybody, but the whole town was quiet as a graveyard. There was no sign of any disaster that might have driven everybody off. The weather was seasonably mild for late December, and who'd leave their store wide open with nobody keeping watch? My hackles went up when I sensed it more than saw it. A slight movement out of the corner of my eye on the other side of Warren Street. I looked dead on in that direction, but there was nothing. Hudson wasn't the kind of place where dogs and cats wandered the streets alone with all the wild animals hereabouts that would make a meal out of them, so I knew it wasn't some pooch chasing scraps. What the hell gives? I just stood there a minute sending out my feelers. The sky was that colorless sort of gray you get in New York in the winter when it doesn't know whether to clear up or drown you in snow. Something was wrong in the old homestead, and by now, I figured it wasn't anything natural. That's when I saw it again. That slight shift of movement in the air like a ripple, a shimmer that catches the light, and I felt something watching me from the other side. Not the other side of the street now. From the other side. I tried to get a feel for what was surrounding me, encroaching on all sides. But there was nothing. It all just felt flat somehow. Dead. Empty. Except the eyes watching me from someplace else. I went over to the hotel, but it was locked, so I busted in the glass on the front door, stuck my hand in, unlocked it, and went in. I'd half expected to see an elevator gaping open and waiting, but no. The wall was blank as ever, so I took the stairs to my room and stowed my bags. I took out the cards and laid them out, but they were as flat and lifeless as everything else. I went back to the library and used the same technique I'd used on the hotel to gain entrance. As was usual for the daylight hours, The stairs leading down to the librarian's lair weren't there, so this was a dead end too. That left only one place to look for answers, providing whatever was going on here hadn't spread down to the river yet. Turning towards the waterfront, I saw the air in front of me wavering like I was looking through water. About 50 feet ahead, something was taking shape. I steeled myself for a fight waved my fingers in front of me in an intricate series of warding gestures in case whatever was coming through had a mind to pay attention to such things. I gasped when I saw who it was, but sure as hell didn't let down my guard. Frankie, baby. The grin on her face was forced and brittle, and her eyes were red from crying. It was Martine. But how the hell? She sure wasn't here in the flesh and bones but I knew it was her from the feel of her. It was her sending, and I knew she never did that kind of thing just to catch up on old times. I reached out for her, hoping she had some clue of what was going on here. Martine, what gives? You take care, Frankie. Be safe, you hear? Keep your eyes open and your hex up. I'm watching you, baby. Me and Maurice, we're watching. Then she was gone, 
her shade melting into the fog that was rolling up the street off the river. I made my way down to the geezer's shack, hoping they hadn't been taken out by whatever was going on in town. These guys were pure hex and all conjure, and I still hadn't figured out if they were old men who turned into crows as the need came on them, or crows who could fancy themselves into old men for some kind of weird amusement and to down ungodly quantities of moonshine. Martine's little appearance left me rattled worse than I already was. I'd tried the phone in the hotel to see if I could reach the library, but it was dead too. It looked like the whole place was cut off from the outside now. As soon as the little shack came into view, I breathed a sigh of relief to hear the crazy chatter. What's to be done about all these things in town, old coot? Who's to know? Who's to know? Mm-hmm. Us, you think? You think all this falls to us? Mm-hmm. Do you? Do you now? Don't know how much I reckon on that. Mm-hmm. No, sir. No, sir, I don't. Who else, you dimwit? <laughs> You'll have our hide and our tail feathers if we don't fix this thing right. Whatever it is. We're all that's left now. You come up with any of your bright ideas, old coot? You got any of them old fancy notions of yours? Well, do you? Where do you suppose he got off to? Did he say anything to you, did he, before all this? Did he have a word with you? And the other one, that young feller Frank, where you suppose he got off to? That's right. Where's old Frank when you need him? Right here. What's going on in town? Does something happen? Did the librarian say anything? Hallelujah, young stick. You're a sight for sad eyes. That's where right. you been. Where you been gone to? Never mind. Whoa, 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 one at a time. How long have folks from town been missing? About a week, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a week. Oh, hell no, you daft old fool. Been more than that, been a month at least, not a wink less. Now simmer down, I kept track. It always falls to me to cipher these things. Frank, this all happened sudden like, you know. Nine days ago now, to the day. Folks just disappeared, sky went gray overhead, no birds or animals about nowhere, excepting for, you know, as they say, present company accepted. And the librarian? (laughs) What's he say about all this? That's the thing, Frank. That's the damnedest part. Ain't it the damnedest part? Mm -hmm. That it is. It's the damnedest thing. Never seen nothing like it, no how. No, sir. Not out of him. Not like this. No, sir. Nothing like this out of here. What is it? Out with it. The librarian. He's gone. Didn't say nothing to nobody, no, sir. Not nothing to nobody. Not a peep. Gone. Gone where? The librarian was not a man to wander far from his lair. And then, only by dire necessity. Not gone someplace, Frank. No. Oh, no. You're not listening, boy. I said gone. They all fell silent, their dark eyes on me, their arms like wings behind their backs, and I thought any minute they were going to take flight. But I saw something in those dark ancient eyes I'd never seen before, not even in the lair of Amadie Philippe and the unnatural doings flooding out of that place. It was fear. Fear in those eyes spooked me in a way I'd never been spooked since I'd come to Hudson, and maybe not ever. The librarian was gone. Nobody knew why or when or how, and somehow he'd taken the whole town with him, except for the geezers, or 
The town had been taken and he went after them, or maybe something else, something something far worse. Maybe something the likes of which I'd yet to learn of had come for all of them, and this shade of a town and the geezers was all that was left behind. I went back to the deserted hotel and laid out my kit. I set the tarot aside to give it another shot, and I packed a little bit of everything Juju and Hex I could possibly need. Then I spotted the old Bokaw hat Maurice had given me years back, that his daddy had given him, that he said his grandpappy had won off Marie Laveau in a card game in the back room of some grand hotel on Bourbon Street. Now, Maurice had never used the hat himself in all his time, so he says, and he swears his daddy never did, and probably not his grandpappy neither. As far as Marie Laveau herself, who could say? Old Frank Enfield had sure as hell never touched it except with gloves on, but it was starting to look real good in these uncertain times. Now, what must be understood at the get-go is a Bokor is a Vudun magician for hire, who's got no qualms with working both sides of the street to get a job done. He'll use white magic, black magic, whatever means and methods are needed to keep his customers happy, the nickels and greenbacks flowing in his direction, and his reputation hot on all sides of town. The hat had belonged to just such a fella. Unfortunately, I'd never had call to use it, nor the good sense to toss it in the fire. Not knowing what I was getting myself into, and who all might be counting on me to save their heinies, I nodded sharply, as if acknowledging something I could never take back, and then picked up the Bokor's hat and tugged it snug into place on the top of my noggin. Then I laid out the cards and stared hard at them, marveling at how they bounced and popped in my mind's eye like they were alive. Maybe it was the Bokor hat giving my natural juju a boost. Maybe it was something else. But what I saw was a snow globe. This sight-sending was real in a way I'd never seen before, so I picked the thing up in my hand and shook it once, twice, and all the snow filled the globe and brought what was to be seen there into view. But this was no homey little scene, no quaint pastoral reminder of days gone by. No, here was a ramshackle old church, ruined and decrepit, with a cemetery circling all around it like no real church would ever do. The gravestones were all tipped over and busted, and the foul, moldy earth where each grave had been dug up, from inside by the looks of it, gaped open like hungry maws railing their curses to the heavens. I'd seen this hideous mockery of a snow globe before, a couple years back, sitting pride of place on the mantle of the stone hearth in the Packard's living room, but I'd called for that hideous fortress to be burned to the ground, and nobody ever set foot on Packard's Island again. So, what was this thing doing in my sight sendings? I finished packing a few more things and slung my sack over my back and then headed back down to the geezer's shack to see what they knew. Ain't been out that way but the one time. Sure as shine, no sir we ain't. Burned her clean to ash, just like you said. Yes, sir, we did. Just like you told us. Keeping an eye on it, we are. Mm-hmm, keeping an eye. Yes, sir. And you've seen nothing going on out there. Can't rightly say. Not without dipping a wing or setting a foot, you know. 
Just supposing all's quiet like it should be. Mm-hmm, that's right, sure it is. Just like they tell it, mm-hmm. But then sometimes I get a haint itch on the back of my neck when I look out that way, mm-hmm. Don't like it none. Not one bit, no sir, mm-hmm. You ain't never said a nothing about a damn haint itch. But I ain't never seen nothing, no sir. Not a damn thing. Okay, okay, s- settle down, settle down. This is good to know. I appreciate it. It's a big help. Now, I got cause to believe something's going on out there. Something new taking root or something old growed up out of the ash. I don't know, but I mean to find out. I need that boat of yours. Yes, sir, Mr. Frank. Long as you need her, she's yours. You find out now what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. You find out, Mr. Frank. You find out. Mr. Frank here. He'll make things right again. He sure will, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know he will. You think something's going on out there is maybe mixed up with the town and himself disappearing? I do. And the sooner I unravel this thing, the better we all like it. The old guys were nodding to each other and trading glances they didn't share with me. That didn't bother me, though. I trusted the geezers with my life. And with cause. There was too much I didn't know about them from the other side of things, and I don't pry into the business of hate and juju until I'm asked. Not unless you intend me and mine harm. Then it's a whole nother matter. If this turned out to be more Packard horse shit... Why, I'll unleash Hell's own infernal worm of fury and every goddamn petro-red of tooth and claw thing out of every crossroads from here to Hades and kingdom come on those sons of perdition and take such joy and pleasure in the doing. I growled it like it was a curse and wondered where on earth I'd come up with that notion, but figured there was time enough later to ponder on that mystery. I rode out to Packard's Island marveled at the thoroughness the fire had made of things. The whole place was one long plot of scorched earth, the house nothing but a pile of ash and cinder. The Packard family cemetery and what had passed for a chapel, well, there was no sign of any of that. But still, the air here crackled with unholy mischief, and Spidey was raising cane. The smell of wet burnt-up trees and house garbage and other stuff. Still on two years after, like to make me puke. For some reason, the sound of branches crackling under my own feet set my hackles on end, not knowing who'd hear it. Or maybe who'd already sensed me coming and was even now preparing for whatever I could dish out. Hell's bells on all that damn noise! My voice rose up from somewhere inside me with such feral rage it ripped itself out of my throat. And I just hoped whoever, whatever was out there waiting in the trees for me, was ready for old Frank Enfield. I considered what I'd do when I caught up with whoever it was out there, and I grinned, licking my lips. The old Bokoa's hat, feeling damn good against my scalp. A thing of mighty power like a crown. One I had long ago earned and deserved to wear. Hell yeah. I wondered where that hat had really come from. Before the Bokua, I mean. I realized I was moving stealthy like now, real slow, edging my way through the burned-out trees and rubble, cat-like, soft-footed and wary, flexing my fingers like they was claws, smelling the air for signs and listening for things breathing on the night wind, ready for anything. Bring it on. Somewhere off in the distance, something moaned, 
and the shivers ran up my back, but it was nothing like fear. I was getting close now. Things was hot, and what was out there in the deeps of that no-man's island wasn't no Packard. Up to the other end of the island, a place I'd never set foot, there was what looked like another old cemetery, a whole lot older than the one on the grounds of the Packard place. It was burned, too, but not near as bad as the rest of the island. In the center was a rough-hewn stone brick pyramid covered with moss and lichen that caught the light of the moon in an unhealthy glow. It was about twice my height. Sitting on a plowed-up patch of earth, I'd seen the like before. Theosophists and other spiritualist types of the last century were all drunk on that ancient world business and flung it around as they decorated their temples and such. They did this with the pyramids, too. Made burial tombs out of them, believing there was juju in the shape to help the deceased get where he was headed after he'd slipped off his rotted coil. I'd seen a few of these before, but none of them had the door open, and the faint glow of candlelight inside pouring out to greet me. And sure as hell, none of them had singing inside that liked to raise the dead against their will, singing featuring my own name. It was a low, husky, beautiful voice, sweet and evil like old sin that's festered far too long. Let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who It was a lot like the sing-song prayer chanting of those snot-ratty devil-kid things, the ones Tobias Packard had called up out of the stinking earth, who'd ripped his innards out and made a picnic of his remains by way of a thank you. I could just hear the one, the maggot queen, the fount of the hive that had spawned everything else on this accursed island back into the days of long ago. I wondered how the local tribes had seen this thing, figuring it went back into their times and beyond, long before the white man blew into town. Something like this had to feature in their legends and whatnot. Whatever it was, whatever it took, it was ending here, or at least it was going back where it came from, and the root hole was getting sealed for good this time. This, I vowed, on account of me and mine being messed with, of everything I'd seen and tasted on the other side of this life, Nothing was big and bad enough to take this whole damn town and knock the librarian himself out of commission. I walked up to the pyramid and stepped through the door. It was all light inside, like a thousand candles burned as bright as the sun. And there she was, standing in the middle of the room, better than six feet tall and a full-grown woman, but just like the nasty little girl things otherwise. Dirty, torn, white nightgown smeared in blood to her knees. A mess of filthy yellow hair hanging to her waist. Her arms outstretched to me. Something small cradled in their midst, as if 
an offering of some sort. I walked up and took it from her, figuring I knew what it was, and I did. It was the snow globe, the scene inside depicting the ruins of an old chapel, an ancient graveyard circling it like a protecting ring of toadstools. But this time, something was different. I stared and looked back at the spectral woman thing in horror. There was a tiny figure in there, kneeling, bound and gagged amongst the rotted gravestones. I took one step toward the woman, ready to throttle her and drag her into the stinking earth with my bare hands if need be. She just laughed. I took another step and fell into utter void blackness. I kept falling and falling and falling. The snow globe gripped in my hand as I seemed to fall for a thousand years. I could see the bound figure was hideously somehow alive in there, writhing around, fighting to break free. His silent scream swallowed by the swirling snow that circled viciously around him like a horde of tiny white furies. It was the librarian. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river, 